welcome back once more to TARDIS Tropes! Yes, Doctor Who is back! I'm your companion, David. And I'm your companion, Hannah. And we have, of course, our special, incredible guest companion, Victor! I'm special, I'm incredible, (laughs) I'm the guest companion. So... (laughs) <laughs> to start, uh, I think we should all not make the joke that everyone has made, which is, this is Doctor Who Flux. Who gives a flux? We're not going to make that joke. Uh, <laughs> instead, we're going to come up with some kind of different joke, like, um, my flux is at capacity, uh, or something better than that. No, nothing could be better <laughs> than that. This episode gave me acid reflux. That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, Victor, do you have one? <laughs> not, not really. No, I, I, you got what the best one. What do you one. have? What are your feelings? Oh, uh, are, are you feeling a little influxible? <laughs> well, I think, I think flux is a good word for it because this season opened, and for the first time, I think probably in the whole show's history, I did not watch the pre- like the premiere immediately. I waited a couple of like I waited a full day, and twenty minutes in, I turned it off and i was like you know what i'll finish watching this later i i can't even Whoa. hear what anyone is saying with the sound mixing uh <laughs> and then I, I like 10 minutes after i turned it off i was like okay i know i'm gonna watch it i might as well just sit down and watch it and i actually kind of liked the second half of it i i i was with subtitles I, yeah I put, yes. I, put sub, I put subtitles on because I, I could not hear anything it Same. had the worst sound I mean, mixing it's also the 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 particular accents which has always been a thing with Chibnall he loves northern accents yeah yeah um but the particular accents in this one are very difficult i think <laughs> to uh, the untrained the, ear the introduction of our first liverpudlian character <laughs> yeah. um is uh you know he has he has a very distinctive accent <laughs> yeah okay so your your general take victor how would you describe it um I I liked I I am more intrigued to see what happens next, uh, certainly than I was when I started like before I watched the episode. I really did not care about the season. I was kind of just like, give me. I'm waiting for Russell to come back. Um, <laughs> Aren't we all? But uh, I I am more piqued at the end of it. I am actually like kind of invested in watching how this goes now, even though I don't think it's going to be very good. But I, at least it has like that mystery box element. Uh, to keep me intrigued enough to watch the whole season, which I did not feel about the other two premieres. So I think in some ways I liked it the best of all the Chibnall premieres so far. I think I would agree Even with that. Even though I also rage quit it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I do think that it picks up uh, closer to the end, like you said. But honestly, um, the new format, right? You know, That's what this discussion is going to sort of be dependent on is whether we like this new format. Because we're used to Doctor Who being, it's an episodic show with an overarching story for each season. And this is very much not that. So my opinion on this format is it's everything that's wrong with modern television and like prestige TV, and I hate it, and it sucks. Because I like that episodic format, and I think it's Hmm. what TV is made for. And unnecessary cliffhangers that don't actually resolve any of the story beats that were introduced in the episode, I find them incredibly annoying. What do you think, Hannah? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as a huge sucker for serialization, I, I'm going to have to stand <laughs> on the other side of this chasm. Um, okay. But 
I, but do you think it does it well? I mean, that's that's a question that you know <laughs> is is yet to be answered. Um, but and, that's what I hate about it, right? Like, I like to be able to analyze a work of art in its in its limits, you know, beginning and end, and I like to break it down into parts. And serialization, you know, screws with that. It makes it more difficult. Um, because, yeah, <laughs> any single plot point in this episode could retroactively be good if we get to the end of the season and there's a payoff. Right. But what if there isn't? <laughs> that's that's the problem. I, I think I agree with, you know, Victor's uh, feeling of, like, tentative hope <laughs> where I'm... <laughs> but I'm... I feel like we've had that literally for two seasons. If you go back... <laughs> And listen to our old TARDIS tropes, which I recommend all of you do at to- at uh, SoundCloud.com slash Talking Tropes. Um, <laughs> then you you'll see that we're always in this state of like we're not trying to prejudge, we're not trying to be you know those kind of fans. But let's get real, all right? I have no faith in Chibnall. I just did not reignite <laughs> my faith whatsoever. I don't so know. So should we get right into the, the story, uh, whatever little tidbits well, of story well, there well, are? I, I think I have a middle ground in between uh, David and okay. Hannah, because I, I agree with you, David, that way too much of modern media is just like the serialized thing, because it, it, it is just like a cheap hook in a lot of these cases where it's just like a cliffhanger for a story that if you saw it in its entirety, you wouldn't care about. Uh, but because it keeps you kind of hooked, you keep watching. At the same time, and I, I don't think that that's the right format for Doctor Who in general. At the same time, Chibnall is a really bad writer, and so if he if using <laughs> these cheap tricks uh, lets me actually be entertained and invested in watching the show, uh, and he does something more similar to his strengths on Broadchurch, which I also didn't like, um, <laughs> I, I, I am for it. That being said, uh, would I watch this season if I didn't care tremendously about Doctor Who? Absolutely not. I I, I would not have been right. invested if this was just like a mini-series uh, like Watchmen last year or something like that. Now, let, let me piggyback off of that point right into the beginning of the recap. Okay. Uh, because what you said, the cheap tricks, they get you invested, they keep you interested, and the biggest cheap trick of them all, I think, is the dumb big cold open, which is pouring all of their CGI budget into this four minutes of absolute dreck. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> that looks awful. Everyone's said that it, it just looks terrible. terrible. So bad. Um, not necessarily because the budget is too low, but because, rather, it's just, it's like, gobbledygook. Like, it could, it could be too anything. It's too yellow. Too yellow. <laughs> the Doctor and Yaz suspended upside down on a floating, like pull-up bar um, in a big yellow world talking to a hologram of a shadowy figure um, like like it's Star Wars or something <laughs> and then they they detach the floating bar and it starts rocketing through the air and they they're trying to get their handcuffs off but they can't and so then it snaps in half for no reason and then it's like they're riding on these, like, broomsticks, I guess because it's a Halloween special, <laughs> that are made out of this pull-up bar that's split in half. And then roll credits. You know, like, what is happening? What is going on? I, I think it's also worth mentioning that the sound mixing it makes that entire scene completely 
uh, incoherent and indecipherable what anyone is saying. Yeah, but the dialogue is like it means they're not saying anything. You didn't miss anything, (laughs) right? Like it's it's a terrible cold open. It's an awful in media res like open. It's it's stupid, Um, (laughs) but it's not as stupid as what happens next, where they land in the fucking TARDIS, (laughs) and the Doctor just (laughs) randomly gets a vision. Of, uh, of, yeah, Skull Man with the diamond face. <laughs> we, we had a, we had a tooth face. We, we did. lost tooth face in the great purge of the end of season 11. Now we've got a we, home We've been act. feeling that loss for almost two years now. Or more than two I have, years. I have. And, and I've been missing do, him every day. Do you know what his face uh, reminds me of? Like those grow your, well, no, those grow your own crystal kits you could get at like Michael's or AC Moore. I call him Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh. Because that's a reference and references are funny. Well, that's. As Chibnall will tell you. He looks looks like a masked singer. But before we meet, before we meet (laughs) Swarm, our probably overarching villain, that's my guess. I'm, Mm? I'm feeling the vibe that he's the overarching villain. But before we meet him, we have this odd scene that's 200 years in the past. Sorry, 201 years in the past. Uh, where they're establishing these tunnel diggers, these excavators. Oh, yeah. In top hats. In, like, 1820. And they're talking about and labor. And it's supposed to be like, this is inspiring a mystery. But I seriously think that Jimmel doesn't get what mysteries are because <laughs> and he wrote Broadchurch so like he should but like it's not inherently intriguing to just show us a random scene and have them digging a tunnel to nowhere. Right. Is it's... it? <laughs> and and that's why I quit 20 minutes in initially. Right. Cuz what is Okay, that? but but nothing is as stupid as as the the vision. I'm surprised that you didn't quit after the vision because this is where I well, almost quit. Because the doctor did you quit before the vision. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I believe that. Anyway, so then after we have this this like image, we then cut to Liverpool and we're gonna introduce Dan. Uh, you know, he's our new our new com- combination sort of of Ryan and Graham. He's more comedic uh, than Ryan, but he's more of like, you know, an average he, bloke. He's very Arthur Dent. Graham. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Arthur Dent is like a cowardly nerd. This guy, he's his only defining trait that I can identify is he's like, like an like a go getter, and he's a, a footballer. You know, like and he... which is which comes from the actor so... who who is a a footballer. <laughs> He's he's very much uh, got a lot of hometown pride, you know, very into well, Liverpool. I, I and I respect that because I love Liverpool myself, and that's I think that's the main reason I liked his character. <laughs> right, I do. I I am intrigued by him and and what he might bring, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, Dan Lewis, well, he is a guy who pretends to host tours of the Liverpool History Museum for reasons. He works at a soup kitchen and he's dating a female lady woman who I know nothing about. Uh, Who works at a museum. And he likes Liverpool. 
I don't have any logical reasoning to back this up, but I do think he might be my favorite Chibnall era companion so far, just on this one episode alone. And I, he doesn't have a person. Well, re- really, like, doesn't that just more so speak to like how much you disliked exactly Graham and Ryan? Exactly, because this man doesn't have and, a personality either. Like, I can't point a thing I like about him. I just kind of thought the actor is generally kind of likable, and I, I like that he's from Liverpool. So. He's definitely likable. He's got, I think, good energy. Um, I think I'm gonna come to hate him. By I agree. I think we will because his role—it's already clear—is he's going to be the, um, the guy who's really like dense. Like he's he just the will himbo. not understand anything that's going on, and he will need everything to be explained to him three times. He's he's the himbo. Sure, why not? Uh, and I'm sure I'm sure that aspect of him and his handsomeness is uh, you know. Is, is part of, of the reason why he was chosen, part of his appeal. But, you know, I watch some of his stand-up comedy, and it's just like, I'm from Liverpool. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, he's not writing this, though. It's Chris Chibnall writing no, this, but, so I the mean, jokes are going to be worse. Your, his comedic persona, I'm just saying. Like, his whole identity in the show so far is also, I'm from Liverpool. <laughs> I don't know why my Liverpool impression is Yogi Bear, but that's <laughs> beside the, the point. Um, the true fifth Beatle, Yogi Bear. So so he, he's going to meet Diane for drinks, and that's when, for Halloween drinks. It's Halloween, guys. It's, uh, it's very important that it's Halloween. Is it? Is it at all? <laughs> no. No, it plays into three lines, and then it's done just like uh, the, the New Year's specials. So that's when we get Shark Man... Uh, well, Skull Man psychic connection, uh, and that's Swarm. Tell, t- talk to me about Swarm. Okay, I gotta be honest. I I did not know his name was Swarm until did I, I, like, did. I did. Not. I did because they said it, but I wrote it down. So <laughs> I had no idea his name was Swarm. So he's a space criminal who was locked up by the Doctor when she was in the Division. That's what I'm gathering, at least. I guess. But I bet there's going to be like some kind of twist uh, about how they know each other, even though she doesn't remember. I mean, it it feels so strange. I mean, that's jumping to the end, this whole, like, they knew each other thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like... Well, obviously they knew each other because he contacted her psychically. So you knew that from this scene. I guess. Not in the same way, though. And then he knows the doctor because he says, trick or treat, doctor. (laughs) Yeah, that... (laughs) But then, but then, so the doctor takes this. This is what killed me. This is... Yes. I couldn't stop with this. The doctor (laughs) comes out of this vision and is like, check the timeline, October 31st. And Yaz looks over and goes, October 31st? Trick or treat, or she says Halloween. Trick or treat, and the doctor looks at Yaz like Yaz just read her mind, like she also <laughs> heard this thing say trick or treat. Well, yeah, but I like, mean, it's like you just had a psychic a... vision. Which, first of all, this is one of Chibnall's favorite storytelling techniques. You recall that this was involved in the Demons of the Punjab episode. As soon as she lands in, uh, in, in. Uh, in Punjab, in at the time of uh, of of the division, partition. Uh, yeah, partition. Uh, she gets this vision of 
spooky alien stuff going on, and that sets up the mystery. And then it happens again in um, in Ascension of the Cybermen when she has the visions of Brendan, uh, <laughs> Bren- Glenbrian or something from you know where he, she's finding out that she has this alternate life as a human Irishman. Um, so this is this is following a clear trend and. It's just as lazy here. Like, yeah, it just it sets up a mystery technically, but you know, it's lazy. You know, she just gets a psychic vision of a bad bad like, who's evil. The the dialogue there, it just like like not that Chipmunk has good dialogue to begin with, but this one just made no sense and the doctor like looks at Yaz as though like she just like solved a mystery or something. But the doctor, like, <laughs> left that vision and well, went, oh, I should go. she's making this connection go. that somehow the, the, the swarm man, Mr. Swarm, knew that she was going to be landing in on Halloween. Because but, she's doing something unrelated to the Skull Man, Diamond, Diamond Head. But see, at least she's for me, it tracking was not, Dog Man. It was not clear that, like, they were unrelated. <laughs> You know, I was like, oh. Right, well, yeah, I you mean, still don't know what's going on at that point, so right. the joke doesn't work. We also, had... the TARDIS is leaking, so that's oh, another yeah. plot point. So I'm just dropping that. Great. Moving on. I mean, it's then okay. Then we... Well, I was going to say it's okay because this episode just drops plot points left and right like that, so... Yeah, of course, that's all it does. That's what it's for. It's to set up things that are going to be developed later, but it chooses to not develop a single <laughs> freaking thing, including characters. So... Now we cut right to Dan, and then there's, like, you know, the Chibnall style of joke-telling, which I think is most similar to uh, Resolution, where we had that joke about the power going out, and then, like, the family is, like, talking to each other, and they're like, now we have to talk to each other because we don't have our phones. (laughs) And then uh, the kids go, what? And then this is like that. There's a trick-or-treater who's, like, an an adult man with a beard and a carton of eggs. Yeah. And Dan's like, you're too old to be trick-or-treating. <laughs> I can't do Liverpool, but, you know, you get the gist. Yeah. <laughs> it's dumb. Uh, and just then, wh- who's bursts in? The Doggo. dog. Whose Stop name mis- is Carvanista? Carvanista. Carvanista. His name is Mr. Doggo. Uh, yeah, I like to uh, compare him briefly to my favorite character from season twelve, hyphen with a three. <laughs> they because are this, similar. This also goes towards my theory that hyphen with a three was not meant to be an alien species or some kind of dog-human hybrid, but was in fact a furry, <laughs> and this confirms that because this is what. Under Chibnall's run, a dog man looks like. And he looks like the uh, guy from Alpha Chow on Adult Swim. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, Mr. Goodboy is my favorite character of the Chibnall era, hands down. Um, Mr. Goodboy, is that his name? Because <laughs> he's a good boy. Yeah, he's a Hannah. good boy in my no, heart. I get it. So he's he's wearing this like armor that's support supposed to be you know kind of like medieval or or almost like Mong- Mongolian army uh, looking, 
uniform, and he's got this axe that's also a gun, and uh, he kidnaps our friend Dan, and he says, you're coming with me. He knocks him out. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, It's super weird. The doctor and Yaz show up shortly after this, uh, and discover that there's an invasion, uh, but then a trap there's goes off. There's seven billion Lupari ships. Hold on, seven billion. That reminds me of a certain other number, which is the number of people that are. It turns <laughs> out, it turns out, soulmates are real, and they're alien dogs. Yeah. Right. And, you know, just when I think he's going to not make the joke, like, he's going to sort of leave it to the audience to be like, oh, I get it. They're doing, you know, dog is man's best friend. friend. Uh, But then they say it. Yeah. They say it out loud because Chivel doesn't really trust the audience to get a joke. I I like this twist. I like this. It's, It's a very silly idea, but I think it fits within, like, Doctor Who well enough. I, I like the fact no, that it's, yeah, I think it's fine. There, there's if a it planet were of dogs. In a full episode, I would I would be way into it. The idea that like how do they control like their population to match this one? How do they know which one they're matched up with? Is there like a caste system based on Earth's caste system? Uh, you know, what is their society like? Well, this how is being a, having a distress call that I, connects I, you I to a planet billions of, I don't think of you need miles all that. away. I don't think, how does that affect you? I don't think you need all that to explain a planet of dog people that are guardian angels. I, I feel like it's <laughs> it's very Hitchhiker's Guide where it's like the entire thing is just, you know, they're man's best friend. So, of course, they're going to help them. Uh, it's all just, right. I, I'll, I'll grant you that it's it's an interesting premise. I just, you know, I think... There's nothing wrong with episodic structure, Christian. Just he can't it do it though, David. He's he's got to do this. You got to let him do this. Otherwise, the show, right. the the choices between Chibnall doing something that is in his wheelhouse or Chibnall doing what he's done the last two seasons, which is terrible. Um, there's there's a lot more, you know. Uh, football references. You know, someone says like he's a red or. Oh, you know what year it is? It's in the Klopp era, you know, which is the name of a, a football coach. Okay, here's here's my question. Because, you know, the Doctor and Yaz then basically go on a rescue mission to get Dan back from yeah. the dog. Um, yeah. What are we... How are we feeling about Yaz this season? What? what? She doesn't do any... She doesn't well, do anything well, character-related. So, she, just, she just says... Uh, you, you're not telling me what's going on, which is what she did all last season, too. And now she knows how to operate the TARDIS. Because they've been traveling I, a long time. I, I feel like I don't know a lot about her still. Like, I, I'm not... This is not clear up her characterization very well. But mm-hmm. I did like her much better here than in any other episode I can think of. Agreed. Um, I think she had more agency. In yeah, this and, and, and there, well, she, well, just, well, she just said techno babble that the doctor no, also says. But, but, but who cares? But, but but when she was saving um, uh, Arthur Dent, like <laughs> Dan, it, she Lewis. in that moment felt more like, and she was like the banter she was having, and like the fact that she was like you know kind of being like, oh, don't say, don't, don't insult your uh, savers, pro tip or whatever. It's kind of cheesy better, but it felt more doctory than, like, anything Jody has said, like, during her entire Right. Life. 
I agree. So this is still the doctor and Yaz are exploring Dan's house and they, they're looking on a computer and it turns out it's a Lupari computer and the computer, it looks like it's going to explode, but then it shrinks the house, which is also something from a previous Chimnal episode. So I can see why he's quitting because he's literally run out of like ideas <laughs> I, for like the filler <laughs> things in his stories. I, I, you know, the master had a shrink ray. Now Dogman has shrink ray. I don't know if he's quitting by choice, but but yeah, I, I think he's he, he's he's not had a good go at it. I don't think. No. But he's. I, mean, I just feel like he's already like like reusing ideas, and it's like you're only on your third season of television, and they're all really short. <laughs> um. Anyway, so like what what makes this episode really frustrating for me is that we just keep getting put in new places and introducing new like plot points with absolutely no context for why we should care so we cut to this house it's like a cabin of some kind oh yeah you know where this is it's somewhere nordic it seems that's what it looks like to me i was thinking norway but it might be like wales or you know some other kind of northern part of england i don't know they speak english yeah but a lot of they're in a house. It's the English. one location drop that doesn't have it's like the a, north, a location stamp. It's, it's, at least not one that I saw. It's the North Pole. That's going to be the twist. That's why they didn't do the, uh, the <laughs> location the stamp yet. Pole. It's not so, cold enough to be the North Pole. Um, anyway, so there's like this little drone thing that's like beeping, and they smash it because they're like, I don't know what to do with drone beeping, um, but they don't like question it, which is weird. And then it turns out that like the the wife or i assume that he's she's the wife is the yeah. sister of of kingdom of the crystal skull yes yeah right but we don't find that out for another like three scenes like no it's so no he's he immediately says oh oh i see i see yes <laughs> we don't you're right we, yeah, we we don't find out that she was like a secret skull woman until like three scenes later so right. i I just, like, I, it's hard to follow, it's hard to track, and they'll deliberately withhold information only for the reason of withholding it. When they would tell us, you know, they tell us where Grey Worm is when he's out in space, <laughs> and they tell us what year it is when the Top Hat men are talking about tunnels, right. but they don't tell us where this, this Nordic family is. Right, like it's very strange when they decide to withhold information and when they choose to be generous with it. Coming, yeah. Okay, then um, they try to do blink, right? So the yeah. woman yeah. runs up and she's like, "I'm Claire, that doctor. I'm I'm Claire. We don't you it's, remember me? It's oh, literally just blink, but it's a, it's in a different order. It's from the doctor's perspective Perfected. instead of." From yeah, the stranger's perspective, which I think, for me personally, that was what made Blink work. Was that you were kind of thrown into it, and you weren't from the doctor's perspective, right? Yeah, but, but I mean, it's fine. Whatever, it's fine enough. You know, I mean, it's fine. But do we need to rehash. see it again? Well, like, we don't need to, we don't need to see it again. But I mean, like again, my bar is just very low for Chibnall. It's like, would I rather see a weeping angel or that little dude who eats? Uh, spaceships again and it's like uh, yeah it's like Um, i'll I'll take i'll take a weeping angel sure right but i i was confused by this in blink as well like why is the doctor so put off by the idea that she's meeting somebody out of order i know 
She does it all the time. Uh, yeah. And it pissed me off when David Tennant did it as well, so I'm not being inconsistent. But it, <laughs> David Tennant's, like, chasing a monster, at least. And then, um, what is it, Nightingale? What was her name? Sally. Sally. Sally Nightingale uh, r- runs up and is like, Doctor, it's you! And and the doctor's like, I- I'm a little busy right now. You're right. Uh, who are you? And it's like, yeah, we haven't met yet, obviously. You're a time traveler. This should be bog standard. Right. Yeah. Anyway, she leaves. <laughs> she leaves and then immediately gets sent back in time by a weeping angel. Um, right. So. And then I like the way that the scene, like, just, you know, Chibnall has subtle ways of writing scenes more poorly than other people would write the same scene. So <laughs> when Claire is being stalked by the weeping angel, she's whispering to herself things she already knows for the audience's benefit, going, don't blink or it will move <laughs> i don't know i that's mean that's not how people behave in stressful situations but it's, it's i i didn't fine. mind it that much yeah it's well, shorthand yeah. well it's shorthand look you just write a scene where you don't have to have them speaking to themselves you know you either show it visually or you put another person in the scene that would reasonably be need need to be told to not blink. It's right? fine. It's fine. I yeah. mean, she encounters it right when she's walking home. Like, how hard would it be to just write somebody in there that she, you know, sees on the street and then she tells that person, wait, stop, don't blink, help me like, stare at this angel. Like, like and look, then, it, it, and then the same things happen. If the episode See, was perfect, I might I might be inclined to to like think this Listen. this was Listen, a bigger I'm point. I'm a nitpicker. But, it's what but I this do. this episode is is far from perfect. There are far better issues than the fact that she whispers, "Don't blink." Right. That's how the angels work. If you look at them, and you and you blink, you die. That's that's the rules. Right. So <laughs> I cut, I cut to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought, you know, back at the beginning of this episode when I thought that all of these things that were happening might actually tie together in this episode, uh, (laughs) foolish as I was, um, I thought she was going to go back in time and end up like in the 1800s, uh, in those minds. I mean, she might, but like, maybe we we have no answers. (laughs) She could be, she could be. (laughs) Um, all right, so the next thing, the next random plot point that we're introduced to is uh, Jacob Anderson playing this character, Vinder. Yeah. Um, who is sitting in, like, a space outpost, just kind of space outposting. Yeah. And uh, you may remember Jacob Anderson from Game of Thrones, where he played one of the Unsullied, named Grey Worm. One of? He played, yeah, like, the, the, Unsullied. the Unsullied. What did I say? One you of said the Unsullied. A. Or A Unsullied, yeah. I don't even know what the difference is. Well, he's just the like, main there, He's character. just like the main guy. Yeah, he's All the... Right, whatever. <laughs> Listen, Jacob Anderson, you may know him by his rap name, Raleigh Ritchie. Um, is that true? I will say, that, he looks... Doctor Who. Just what? like a moment of thirst. Um, he looks incredible here. He's really rocking the, like, uh, Michael B. Jordan... Like he in Black Panther, like hair vibes. Yeah, his hair was very Michael B. Jordan esque in Killmonger. It was great. I deny your thirst. All right, well. so we're, <laughs> we're on Operation Outpost Rose because I I think that's a reference. Yeah, I think it's, it's a reference as well, and I, as a fan, um, enjoyed it because I, I'm easy to please. <laughs> right, a, mo- a moment of fan thirst. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and he's uh, bored or possibly bitter. I don't know. He, he's I, having a time. He's He's been there for a while. Yeah. Okay. And then the flux happens. T- yeah. Let's talk about the flux. Um, it's, it's a swarm. It's but the like, guy who's named a swarm isn't a swarm. <laughs> well, you don't know that it's a swarm. It could be like rips in the skin of the universe. Or but something. it's swarm. To me, like... it just it rings exactly like the silence when we <laughs> when we were initially introducing the silence in season five as like this force that's ripping apart the universe. But this but is more that dramatic. Is introduced very piecemeal and in very subtle ways over the course of a season. This is introduced as a big cloud of spooky darkness that eats planets. Yeah, yeah, and it I think that's It does look fun. like it sort of disintegrates and, like, uh, subsumes, you know. Right, I don't think it's a very interesting threat. I, I think the interesting threat... Well, can I, can I talk about Swarm and the, and the reveal scene yet? You can talk about whatever you want. All right, <laughs> all right, well... Look, so I, I left uh, this episode like halfway through and then I came back and the thing that really sold the episode for me, the thing that really was like, okay, I'm invested now. Uh, and it's like a cheap thing. It's not good. It's just it's just a diamond head uh, swarm talking to the doctor in a vision and being like, I know you, but you don't know me. I remember every <laughs> battle and we have been locked forever. I was just like, okay, at Victor, least this is... That's what's- that's what you? sold me. I I am Ugh. easy to please, and I was like, at least this is um, conflict. A doctor, a Doctor Who villain that has a personal relationship Ship. and a mystery associated, and, and with it, as opposed to Toothface or the, you exactly, know, exactly. But, but he's he's basically filling the role that the Master would, right, exactly. Except for there's a mystery element in we don't know exactly who look, he is. I mean, he looks like he's on the ma- uh, on the mass singer. He does not look threatening, but <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I thought um, what was that dating show where people wear uh, um, wear a I, bunch I, of makeup it's, to look monstrous? I, I've watched a few episodes. I forget what it's called though. <laughs> Sexy beasts. Sexy of beasts. Course. Stop. Oh boy. Lol. That's what they want me to say. <laughs> so so Grey Worm sees the flux and he's like, Man, oh, this shit. is this is awful. I'm sad. Um But then uh then we cut to Diamond Diamond Man and he meets his sister and disintegrates the sister's husband or boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and that's when we cut back to the doctor and there is an Orphan fifty five reference. Did you Is see it? it? Did you notice it? No. She takes the chip bag that she had held the hopper virus from the vending machine in and puts it up against the console and says, residual virus particles from the hopper virus, and then never is it mentioned again. <laughs> it's it's my favorite thing because it's it's like Chris Chimnall being like, look at all the memories we have together, and he goes back to Orphan 55. Which, you know, honestly, I've softened on on rewatch, but it is no. it is not a good episode. It's not. <laughs> okay, Oof. finally, the doctor meets with the dog man. And, uh, and what, what goes on? What, what happens between the doctor and the dog man? 
Turns out the dogs are protecting everybody, and okay. it's fine. The doctor from the flux, and then yeah. he's like, "What's the flux?" And the dog man's like, "You're an idiot." It's like a big spooky thing. <laughs> um, I also like the little like throwaway line where um, Chibnall is like, "Wait, why would this dog man?" Get to Earth before all the other dog men, mm-hmm. and it's like he went through a magic wormhole and got right. there uh, a couple hours early. <laughs> so wait, I did not catch that. Is it yeah. possible that the Doctor opened the wormhole later on? There's like a time loop no. thing. Listen, I don't even give a shit if it is. I didn't need the explanation. You could have just had it that other dogs were showing up other places, but you just didn't show it. Right or. You could have had it. Is like I'm really good at building fast ships, so I have the fastest right. ship. Or someone could've... had to get there first. Yeah, right? he, yeah, he could have <laughs> just been like on an outpost mission, and he got the signal, so he was the closest or whatever, you know? Right. Like, there's right. a million and a half reasons right. for why. So if it's, it is it's... the ex- if the explanation is that the doctor retroactively opens a magic wormhole to get <laughs> him there a couple hours early, so that she can meet Dan because Dan is the most important man in the universe, even oh though he's God. an ordinary bloke. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then what what does she say? She says the the reference line. The, it's a reference to Rose. Run. What does she say? She says she nice just... to meet you, Dan. Now run for your life, ah. which is the same line as the Rose line. Oh. Great. <laughs> anyone Great. else get, anyone else got goosebumps? No, I got I got I got fan 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 bumps. It's fan bumps. I don't know. Santarans next. What do you think uh, about the Santarans next? I cared zero percent about the Santarans. This to me was like the most obtuse, random. But look, scene. their costumes are closer to old Who. I don't watch old Who, so I <laughs> suck and didn't care. <laughs> Um, but look, they said, you look particularly disgusting today. And then the other guy's like, let's move past that. <laughs> it was the weirdest, most Chris Chibnall humor bullshit, and it was bad. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like evil villains cackling about the universe getting destroyed. <laughs> I, it's gonna it's gonna happen next episode. That's that's what's coming. So. Uh, we'll we'll see. Um, I I have no feelings about the Centaurans, Victor. Uh, I, I sure why not? Uh, like there's so <laughs> much random stuff in this episode that I, I I think the most obtuse for me is the the uh, top hat men who are talking about like labor and and making their mining stuff. Uh, I mean it's obtuse, obtuse, but I'm at least interested. Right, but I mean the the point is like if that's deep foreshadowing for something, this is really shallow foreshadowing because what's what what's going to be revealed of their plan yeah. is going to come up next episode. So you can think of the, this scene with the Santarans basically mm. as like the end of episode promo for next week, <laughs> except they put it in the episode. Bold moves. Yeah. I, but, like, you know, I don't know. I heard somebody describe Chibnall's style as, like, promos as storytelling. <laughs> um, uh, That's very much what this is. I can't it, so I can't give credit. But um, thanks to you, whoever makes that video. Tweet at us, and we'll, we'll give you uh, the proper credit. credit you deserve. <laughs> I apologize for not writing it down. Anyway, 
So we're almost at the end here, in case yeah. you guys couldn't tell. Because how could you tell? Because there's no structure. No. So how can not. you tell how far into an episode you are without it's just like, like running giant... your little cursor over the you know track <laughs> bar and saying like, okay, well we're forty minutes in and it's a fifty minute episode. So you must be in somewhere. Hopefully. It's cut to the the the, the, the doctor trying to. The see doctor's the seeing flux. the flux, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's freaking out about it, but then the flux starts, like, coming towards the doctor as if it's alive and has a mind of its own. Ooh. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the implication, but it is what it looks like. And she's like, well, now, now you now I know where we gotta go. We gotta go to Earth. And it's like, what if the flux is right behind her? Why would going to Earth help? Mm-hmm. And so they go to Earth, and Earth is about to be hit by the flux. And so the doctor, right? like, yeah, the doctor, is that? Did it actually follow her through space and time? Is that what's going on? Well, no, they were like near the edge of the solar system, yeah, and the yeah. flux is just like there. It's yeah, like yeah. this is okay, happening so they're going to now. Earth because she's going to try and protect it. And she's interrupted. I think it's like Yaz tells her, you know, can we stop the flux? And she's like, I don't know. And then it cuts to another psychic meeting with the swarm. This is yeah. this is the money shot of the episode, folks. This is this is this is what makes Way to it make all it worth gross. It. This would make it all worth it. Really? Why is uh, this worth it, Victor? Explain. So here's the thing. Chip Noll explain what happens and I, then explain why it's so, good. so here's what happens. She gets a a, a phone call from the mass singer, um, Mr. Diamondhead. <laughs> and she she picks up and he goes, uh, you don't know me, but I know you. We've battled for a billion years and still you remember and then nothing. Doesn't she me. doesn't he also say like they really did a good job of that yeah, memory they did wipe? Good job of that <laughs> memory wipe. I'm There's your... not a shroud <laughs> of of a bit of memory in there. <laughs> your head's is empty. I'm your most iconic arch rival. <laughs> um, and, Head and, empty. And, and the reason why I liked this scene is because I think Chibnall does a remarkably bad job of ever answering the question, why should I care? Yeah. Um, and this villain, just by like setting up that they're like some sort of ancient being from before the doctor even like was the doctor and the doctor doesn't know them, it's it's just enough for me to actually care. It's like, okay, I, I understand why I should care about this villain to some extent. Right. And that's what um, I liked about it. The other thing, the other overarching mystery, which is tracking from last season, from The Timeless Child, is trying to track down the division, right? Yeah. So that was, I believe they did mention that, but they may ha- it may have just been sort of implied, and they may- might not have named it before. I don't remember. But the division is this like pseudo CIA th- like organization of secret service agents uh, that work for the Time Lord government. Yeah. Um, and that's and the, the doctor was the- part of it, and apparently, Carvanista, the dog man is also part of it and he's like the last surviving member of the division or something yeah but also like wouldn't he know that the doctor was a time lord like i feel like he would be able to recognize her in some capacity maybe he did like is there anything that specifically implies that he didn't know who the doctor was i i don't know i i I am glad that they are 
I guess, trying to do something interesting with the division because it was it was so dumb that you might as well do something with it. Uh, but I, I have a bad feeling that it's <laughs> it's only gonna get worse, whatever he does with the continuity. Uh, right. So, so the cliffhanger for the episode is is threefold, I believe. Um, the the Diane character, Dan's girlfriend, question mark, yeah. uh, is invited inside of a magical house full uh, of light yeah. by a woman's voice, and it's the crystal man's sister, man. Mm-hmm. It's the crystal sister, and she says, we're gonna have fun with you. And, uh, and then simultaneously, all of the seven billion spaceships of the Carvanista is forming like a blockade just like that scene in Guardians of Galaxy. Remember that? Guardians of Galaxy yeah. is my favorite DCAU movie. <laughs> um yeah. And uh th- th- so they form a big shield around the earth and we don't know if it's going to work. I mean, we have literally no reason to suspect that it would because this flux thing has been devouring entire planets, which I assume are harder to get through than a spaceship made of yeah i i think it's the structure but yeah it 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 was very poorly explained Mm -hmm. um so they form a special shape it doesn't special enough to maybe protect the earth and then the tardis also because it's falling apart and the door's in the wrong place there no there's several doors and they're all in the wrong place yes and uh so the doctor hits something with a hammer and it shoots a laser out and it's like can the flux survive the the uh, the the TARDIS matrix energy? Well, it, yeah, it's the exposure to the pure time energy or whatever. They, right, they've done that's, it before. That's the cliffhanger, right? Or do we see it fail? Well, yeah, we see it fail. Right. So I think they should have ended it before we see it fail, and that's the cliffhanger. But uh, but I I don't know. That's just my aesthetic in terms of of writing. I think the cliffhanger should be the group like doing one big final effort and you don't know if it's going to work and then in the next episode we see it fail and then it's about figuring out what to do next but that's just you know that's nitpick anyway what do you guys think of this cliffhanger um i mean i obviously want to know if everyone dies i don't think anyone will die so (sighs) i think someone could die anyone could die (laughs) Who do you um, want to die? Um, not I think Mr. it would be sad if Dogman died. Yeah, I was going to say not Mr. Goodboy. I think Mr. Goodboy is a goner for sure. No, he was such a good boy. Was he? He was very strange and annoying. I think um, probably some Centaurans are going to die. And I think probably maybe Diane might die or Claire. Claire was zapped back in time. She might die there. No. <laughs> well, I mean, she'll definitely die there. What do you mean definitely? That's the whole thing. What do you mean? Isn't it like they go back she in time? She can live her whole life. Right, but like then you you die. Oh, you mean not she's not to... going to live forever? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> but like that she... was never mind. Watch Diane become immortal, David, and then you'll swallow your words. <laughs> <laughs> After exposure to the core of the TARDIS. 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's Flux episode one. We didn't even mention the, the title, which is the Halloween Apocalypse, which it is that. But I think again, like the Halloweenness is just that they that Dan thinks the Dogman is a Halloween costume. Yeah. It's it's and I had this other theory today on why Chibnall doesn't do uh, Christmas episodes, and I thought maybe it's because he's uncomfortable writing a Christmas episode with Yaz there. What? Because Yaz is Muslim. Okay. So maybe he's uncomfortable I mean, writing a Christian holiday special. Look, if this is a Muslim character, he thinks he's going to get canceled if, over it. Or something. I feel oh I feel God. like if you think you can't write a Christmas holiday special, especially a Doctor Who one, which is not very Christmas like they're usually not that Christmasy with a Muslim character, you, they're not you, that Christian. They're, they're not that. They're, they're not that. Yeah, they're very secular, and also like you could have a line explaining it. I feel like it speaks more to his that level of insecurity might indicate that he has he he is racist and and should get canceled. no. I'm saying I'm saying that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying he might be insecure about his his uh, his privilege in writing this show and his casting of non non Christian non secular <laughs> characters. Yeah. I I don't know I I think he that I I don't know why it doesn't like I think he I think he just has no confidence that he can do a good Christmas, a good special. Christmas special okay but he thinks he can do a good Halloween special which he demonstrably can't and a New Year's no special no no he can. doesn't think he can do a good Halloween special or a good New Year's special he just special. thinks no one will care yeah he exactly just thinks no one will care look he 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 has a heart okay he doesn't want to disappoint people on Christmas. <laughs> 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 I think that's um, exactly it. Um, okay, right. well, this this parts two, two through five. What are our predictions? Two through six, right? What yeah, are our predictions? Um, I mean, I think we will get three answers <laughs> to the many many questions that were raised. Um, I think that the division is going to end up being. A rock and roll band that starred the Doctor, Skull Man, and Dog Man, that's, and that's a Weeping true. Angel, and a Santarin. I predict that this season will make no sense. <laughs> it will be campy as hell, um, and I'm gonna enjoy it more than the first two Chimnal seasons. Those are my predictions. That's a good okay. prediction, Victor. Do you have any? I, I agree that I will probably enjoy this more than the first two seasons. Uh, my <laughs> only prediction is that I think there's a pretty good chance there will be some form of a universal reboot at the end of the season. Mm. Right, but then it wouldn't the it then be it would be even more of a rehash of the silence than even what I was saying it was. Yeah, but that's never stopped Chibnall. Fair enough. Fair enough. You, Do you, you think have Gallifrey no will come up in any way, shape, or form in terms of being reborn or I, staying dead, or the death will be retconned in some way to be like the flux? Or... I, I, I also think that there probably will be some caveats thrown into the, like the Doctor was a secret agent for the Division thing. I don't know what exactly those caveats are going to be, but given how much flack it's gotten i think there's a pretty good chance he'll walk some of it back somehow but we'll see i think he's gonna double down i think he's going to say 
Yes, the doctor was a CIA secret agent who killed world leaders for fun uh, <laughs> and profit. And then she decided to wipe her own mind is going to be the twist. Uh, and we'll uh, I think Joe Martin's going to come back even though they haven't announced her as, as a cast member. I, I suspect Joe Martin will come back at some point. Who, All right, those are predictions. Any final thoughts? We'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, my final thought. Uh, this episode was terrible, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. That's that's my final thought. I, I, I agree. don't know that I particularly enjoyed it. I think that's fine. More, more than anything, it just made me reflect on what Doctor Who has become because of Chibnall, and what television has become in general. And I think a lot of television is just awful because it relies on this, you know, this binge watching mini series format where no one can write like a forty minute episode of television that just begins and ends and leaves you wanting more so that's it i i agree with both of you i both think that this is the wrong direction for doctor who to go in and also that this is the right direction for chibnall's who to go in <laughs> right but i didn't like Broadchurch. that's what I, that's my point i, I so hate Broadchurch. Like broad maybe you can get something out of this but i didn't like that because it was also the same thing it's, it's just bad bad Look, I, I, if you don't like Doctor Who, don't watch this season of television because it's going to be bad. It's going to be Broadchurch, but the dumbest version of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But as a doctor, as a Doctor Who fan, at least I have a reason to tune in next week. Yes. Oh yeah, we're gonna see the Santarins. They're gonna they're gonna invade the past on horses. <laughs> Get ready. Here we go. And, and also, there, there's just so much happening, so many plot points happening, that I don't have time to really worry about the fact that the characters are so one-dimensional and one-note and empty. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I think you've nailed it, Victor. Normally, I feel like Chibnall's problem is that he gives, like, too much space in his episodes for, like... Boredom. To nothing... Say. Yeah, they're normally very boring. Like, nothing happens. And this was at least fun because just everything happened. Yeah, things were happening. But in the silent, in the the nice quiet moments of a Chibnall episode, we can reflect on, hey, this character's poorly poorly written. This development is boring and stupid. But what we can't do in this episode is recognize that there was not one line of dialogue from any character that established any kind of like actual internal conflict or growth or change or even oh. characterization of course not of course no, not. no 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 you're asking too much um, i'm asking too much i'm a i'm, I'm a demanding guy yeah. all right um so yeah final words check if you have any other takes on flux or on the halloween apocalypse or on chibnall in general please tweet at us at talking tropes and catch another tardis tropes in another couple of weeks and we'll cover the next two parts of this uh interesting show yep see ya see ya then fellow 
now flux Travels. off. Oh right. god. This is oh, this bye. is flux. This is your very special spectacular I have no more flux to give. Co guest star signing off. <laughs> signing off. Tardis Stay- entry over. Stay beautiful, San Diego. <laughs> okay.